Hi everyone, I'm Katie Markert, Marketing and Communications Director at the Texas Society of Association Executives. And I'm Steven Stout, TSC's Executive Director, and we're back for episode two of Better by Association, an original podcast series produced by TSAE. Episode two. I can't believe it's number two. That means we made it through our first episode, and also nobody asked us to stop. So. <laughs> one of the things uh, we were so proud of the first one, I was like, "Well, that was really good," and, was, and then I thought, "Oh yeah, we got to do more. <laughs> like we need to do more. We got to string once, even like get it together." <laughs> That's right. We're doing more, and I'm really excited about our episode today. We're talking to two incredible women who recently joined us at our women's summit a couple of weeks ago in College Station. They were so wonderful on stage, we asked them to come back to continue the conversation here, and they agreed. Joining us today is Molly Pillman. Molly Pillman has over 15 years of professional experience and is the current Senior Vice President of Member Engagement at the American College of Emergency Physicians, where she is responsible for the strategic assessment, development, and implementation of programs designed to create a professional home for emergency medicine physicians. Molly holds an MBA from DePaul University, specializing in leadership and change management, a master's in health systems management from Rush University, a bachelor's in biomedical engineering from the University of Wisconsin, Lean Six Sigma Black Belt certification, and is a certified association executive. She is committed to a lifelong learning and to serving as a mentor to future leaders. Uh, she has incredible credentials, but I heard black belt in there, so hopefully we'll talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> also joining us is Dana Kirkhart. Dana started her events industry career in 2007 as the Expo Operations Manager for the Texas Restaurant Association. In 2010, she went to work for CDS Events for a year before they were acquired by Freeman in 2011. Currently the Director of Client Solutions at Freeman, she supports the San Antonio, Austin, and Houston market. Her volunteer involvement in the industry is significant, so serving in almost every capacity for IAEE Central Texas Chapter, including as the chair of the organization twice. Her awards and honors include the Certification and Exhibit Management Designation and the IAEE Merit Award, both in 2016, as well as the IAEE Central Texas Chapter Chairman's Award in 2019. Dana was most recently named the 2023 Southwest Showcase Industry Professional of the Year. But before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's podcast, Visit Galveston. Yes, thank you, Visit Galveston. So we want to welcome Molly and Dana. Thank you so much for being here for episode number two on Better by Association. Thrilled to have you. So we're going to dive in a little bit and talk about, you know, women in leadership and your journey, which makes sense because it's International Women's History Month. Yesterday was International Women's Day. So we're recording this the day after. So it just seems appropriate. So thank you guys for being here. We're really excited to have you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. So one thing we always ask our guests when we get started is your fallen story. We all joke in this space that a lot of us fell into associations or Dana on the other side of things, supporting associations. We None of us went to school for this. I don't think there's very few programs in the, in the country that has this now as association management. So Molly, I'm going to start with you. What is your fallen story? Yeah. So for me, I was actually recruited by a mentor uh, out of graduate school. I was going for health administration at Rush in Chicago. Um, and she encouraged me while I was still finishing my degree to get my Lean Six Sigma black belt. So I did. And my first role that she recruited me for was focused around governance, operational efficiency, and also creating a plan for international growth for the associations. 
it was solving a lot of problems and I have an engineering undergrad. So for me, I just like to solve problems, but I had worked in the event industry before that. So I was sort of vaguely aware of associations since they do a lot of events. I had no idea though of the depth and the breadth of the field until I got into it. And coming from the hospital, I really loved associations because they sit sort of at the intersection of the nonprofit space and the for-profit space. So their missions are impactful, but they pay better than a lot of other 501c3s. And you have, for me, you have the ability to shape a whole industry instead of just sort of a one hospital or one local community. You know, you really can make a big difference. And so I love it here. So does the black belt come in handy? <laughs> I would think. It, does, it does. I still use it. The black belt indicative. Yeah, yeah. I'm like the black belt, like karate black belt. Like. <laughs> No, I mean Six Sigma Black Belt, although I could probably use the other one on some days. I was trying to think, like, wow, that's an interesting path. I have not heard that one yet. <laughs> my daughter, my three-year-old daughter's in karate. She already has her yellow belt, so I'm a little bit afraid of that. It's <laughs> only going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dana, what's your following story to helping associations on the other side of things? I started out actually on the association side. I grew up in the restaurant industry right in high school. I got a job at a local barbecue restaurant. Then I moved to South Carolina and worked for a barbecue restaurant. So naturally, all career opportunities that would open doors for me were restaurant related. And I was done. That's such a lifestyle. I was done with that. I needed somebody to take a chance on me. And I called my aunt and I said, I just need an office job. Do you know anybody that's hiring for an office job? I just want out of the restaurant industry. And I got a call from my aunt. She's like, what about expos? And I'm like, I don't know what those are, but I am <laughs> in, in. in, throw me in. So I interviewed with Mel Forehand at the Texas Restaurant Association, which was kind of fitting. And that's how I got my foot in the door. The restaurant show was so fun. It was so exciting. But it was one show a year was not my pace. Mm. And I wanted to learn all different outlets of the trade show industry. And so my next step was to go work for a decorator. Like that door opened for me and I thought, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna learn this. I'm going to master this. But honestly, it's been so amazing that I don't want to go anywhere else. Like this is just my passion. So luckily on job two, I fell into my passion. That's awesome. So go back to something you said. One show is not your pace. Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, doing many shows, I guess, takes a certain type of person. So I'm happy they found you. Thank you. Yes, yes. I'm so glad both of you guys made your way into this industry. I've really enjoyed meeting you both and hearing your stories. We're grateful for your time and leadership, especially at our most recent Women's Summit. You guys were both in attendance and speaking there. What's your experience like attending events geared towards women? And do you think it's important to create space for women at events like the TSAE Women's Summit? Yeah, so my first Women's Summit was last year, and, you know, the content was great. We had really powerful, experienced women leaders as speakers, especially for sort of the keynote sessions, and I ended up on a panel with all of them. I mean, I'm a very confident person. It's the first time that I felt like a total imposter oh, sitting on that stage. I mean, I did not feel qualified to be there. It was really interesting because we were talking about imposter syndrome and I was sitting <laughs> So I must not have completely bombed because I was invited back. But I think these events are really important. They, they connect us with issues that are on top of mind for everybody who's there. It's very relatable. I feel like it's a safe environment to share personal stories um, and reinforce that we're not alone. Everyone is there for a reason. 
And I brought two of my team members with me. I'll continue to do that every year. I, I love the Women's Summit. This year was fantastic. And I also know that people are inspired by seeing people who are like them, who are successful. And so I loved that we used a lot of our own members as experts this year to talk about their own journeys and their challenges. And I thought it was a really nice mix. I get more from the panel format than from a single speaker. Um, I thought the topics were very relevant. I enjoyed the longer breaks between the panels because it allowed us to sort of network or check our email, but then come back and be 100% invested in what was going on and engaging with the speakers. So it was a really great experience for me. Dana, what did you think? What's your experience like with these women events? I attended another industry women's day several years ago. And I think honestly, going to TSAE this year really opened my eyes to how truly important it is to attend events like that and to be next to women and to be in that atmosphere. The one that I went to was very much paid speakers came in and talked to the crowd and it was great and it was informative, but like the immersive experience that I got at TSAE Women's Summit this year with it being my first year was so much more valuable to me because it was relatable. The person up on stage was who I just sat with at lunch and I had no idea they were a panelist. And so I feel like it put everybody on level playing ground and made it that much more relatable. Like, hey, they're not a paid speaker up there. They're just like us going through this industry every day. This year's experience for me was one of the best, and I hope to not miss a future uh, Women's Summit and bring others with me. That's great. I think one of the things that I love about the event, just sitting in the back of the room, is that everyone's so vulnerable. Everyone's so willing to be very honest and candid on the stage, and normally we have to pull that out of people. And I don't know, Dana, like if you said it's the effect you have of being around that group all day or prior to that when you walk on stage, you feel more comfortable being more honest and more vulnerable. But all the sessions, including both of yours, just seem, make everyone seem very human. And it even, you know, inspired me too, like um, hearing that I'm I'm not crazy because I have some of the same issues that were being spoken about on the stage. So yeah, thank you for that. We're really proud of that event because it has such a different feeling than anything else we do. So thank you for that. I also wanted to ask, kind of going into more sort of general things, the past couple of years, as we know, have been challenging for pretty much everybody. <laughs> How did you lead during these sort of really different times the past three years? And then how do you think you did? It's a great question. You know, it really has been tough on everyone the last few years for so many different reasons. Uh, I had little kids at home during COVID and then luckily I had a nanny who was there to help, but it was exhausting and every day was exactly the same. <laughs> And as achiever and achiever and somebody who sort of thrives on change, I really struggled to adapt. And so I had to intentionally learn to give myself more grace. I had to think about appreciating that it was a slow time in life and just knowing that it would ramp back up eventually. And now things are back to like 150% every single day. There's a small part of me that still sort of looks back and says, wow, it was really nice when I could go take a walk at lunch and when I had more time in my day because I got my commute time back. And so it's I think you just have to sort of appreciate every season of life when you're in it, although it, it's really hard sometimes when you're in it. Yeah. Either said than done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. Uh, 
So, and, you know, I think as we're coming out of it, people are wearing that experience differently still. So there, there are ups and downs on hiring patterns. It's been really hard to predict what any day is going to bring. It's been easy for people to go get a great job somewhere else that pay more or that offer more flexibility. And so it's caused me to sort of become more protective of my team and more aware of what they're going through. I'm trying to keep a pulse on where they are mentally and what their needs are and then find ways if I can to sort of reallocate work or offer more development opportunities to keep things exciting. And our association right now is seeing slow returns in revenue and we're seeing some member attrition. You know, emergency medicine, as you might imagine, was very impacted by the pandemic. And so I'm also trying to manage up and across the organization to solve problems and set expectations and prioritize because everything feels urgent right now. My staff are feeling burnt out. I have an employee who has been through like years of feast and famine and ups and downs with the organization. And she's just said that she's fed up and tired. And so, you know, it's hard to feel some days like we're really making progress. So we're trying to celebrate the wins and do a better job of tracking that and telling our story. And I think for me as a leader, it's just as important for me to show up every day and be a cheerleader as it is to do anything else. That could be hard too, though, on you, because who do you get to complain to when you're burnt out because you're being everyone's cheerleader, right? Like that's tough as well. Yes, it is. Wine helps with that. And so you uh, <laughs> are going through the same thing. <laughs> we all have our coping mechanisms, right? Exactly. The same way, Molly, uh, when I, during all this, I got to go outside a lot more and things but i knew i knew things were might be bad when the lady at the the wine counter knew my name and <laughs> for this oh here's your here's your bottle that you love so much I'm like well this is bad yeah uh, i don't know it could be good i mean <laughs> it got to a point where i almost was embarrassed to put the bottles the recycling bin in front of my house and i like went to my neighbor's recycling bin and put it in there so the trash men wouldn't judge us as as they were taking our, our trash away but uh, thanks molly for that i think you hit a lot of things on the head there. We are feeling it too. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to come back as well. And I know a lot of our members are trying to figure out what this new work life looks like with balance. And like you said, protecting their teams and, and just knowing the hiring market right now, this everyone's just being very protective of their groups and trying to figure out the best way they can help them through this. Because you're right. Everyone, I love that you said that um, everyone is wearing that COVID experience differently. And I think that's 100% true. And I think we forget that a little bit. So Dana, what about you? I have a very servant leadership style where I go on a listening tour a little bit. And so I always try to really hear people, like cut out all interruptions and really hear them. And sometimes I'll take a minute and think about it and get back with that person on like, hey, this is what I heard. I think we can do this. But when COVID happened, I went into like pure protection mode where like, what do I have to do to protect my team? What do I have to do to protect my clients? How can we continue moving forward productively? That's when I learned, Molly, to your point, I mentioned this also in our panel, is that I had to take a step back and realize how do I lead myself also? And so I had to step back and prioritize and figure out what priorities meant a lot to me and to be more intentional. Because when people are constantly picking at you, you're giving so much of yourself. And I had to figure out how to recharge myself, which I have never taken a liking to wine. I am so sad, (laughs) but I just learned to get up and go walk and just really have some mental space for myself. But now I do feel like we're wearing it all differently. We're all back going 110% all the time. 
busy is different in this time. And Molly, you mentioned something yesterday, and I kind of thought about this last night. The grace is kind of going away. Yes, 100%. Yes. Yes, the, the grace is going away. And so that's the new adjustment, right? Yeah. And I do feel like we still do have permission to be vulnerable. And as a leader, I've been vulnerable. I've put my cards out on the table for my team. And I feel like that has provided more two-way loyalty to each other as well. And my team is doing well. How that's all panned out for me, I'll let you know as soon as I find <laughs> out. Yeah. I, um, right now, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think hearing hearing both of you guys mention just as leaders, like you're paying so much more attention to who you're leading, like their mental state and just kind of how they are as a human. I can see, yes, maybe the grace is going a little bit, but just hearing you guys explain it in that way makes me feel like it's still there or there's still some silver lining there on how we're leading because you guys are completely embodying that, like really taking in your employees as a whole. So I can see that there's like a little bit of a shift there. And what a unique skill set you now have to have, right? If you guys are sort of checking on people mentally, well, right. okay, what what am I looking for? How do I know what burnout looks like? Or how do I know when someone's desperate or in trouble? Because there's also different generations in the workforce, right? So for instance, my parents who were older were always like, work, work, work. You work, uh, you know, you're bleeding, you work. You just wrap it up and keep working. Like if having a bad day, sorry, work. Now I feel like there's a, a big shift in that mentality and, and, you know, uh, their generation were the same company for 30 years, very different now. But now we're, we also have to take into account that different generations, I'm going to steal your phrase, Molly, wearing this differently. So uh, how how do we uh, address that? And so you have to have that skill to recognize the generational differences in all this as well, because it affects everybody differently. And then Dana, I don't like that you don't drink wine. We'll figure that out later. But uh, <laughs> You find me one I, I like and I will volunteer. Okay. I do appreciate that you're like, I like to walk and do healthy things to make things better. <laughs> oh, I need to do way more of those things, I'll tell you. But yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I did take from the leadership summit that I hadn't thought about, and I've kind of been recognizing this with one of my teammates, was the silent quitting. Yeah. And I've been able to bring that back and really talk with that teammate and, you know, just approach the conversation differently, approach the workload differently, things like that. So that was pretty intriguing to me. Yeah. Quiet quitting is a hot topic right now. And I think everyone's raining on it. But also, I feel like it's it's been around for a long time. We just finally titled it Quiet Quitting, I feel like. Um, yeah. You just yeah. Kind of disengaged, right? Yeah. 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 100%. Yep. I feel like it's all about that vulnerability piece. Like, we're now seeing it. Yes. Although they're silent quitting and they're not telling us how they feel, they're showing us. Yes. 100%. Yes. It takes a lot of empathy to notice that because it's easy just to write it off as they're not a good performer versus what's really going on and that they want to perform, but they don't really feel capable or motivated to do that. And a lot of people struggle with that. They want to be, they want to bring their best every day and it's not easy to bring it every day. And so that's where the cheerleading comes in sometimes. Yeah. 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 Well said. Yes, quiet quitting is a hot topic. You guys also spoke about some hot topics, doing more with less and having resilience and grace. As I mentioned before, you guys spoke about those topics at Women's Summit. I wanted to ask y'all, what is something that you personally learned from those discussions? Molly, we'll start with you. Your topic was doing more with less. So was there any aha moments for you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So one is have more questions for your panel prepared than you think you will need. <laughs> we ran out of our prepared questions 30 minutes into a 60 minute presentation. So the second 30 minutes was me drawing more detail and asking more questions. I'm so shocked by that because you, yeah, know, you did a great job. Would have never noticed. It worked out really well. But, you know, as far as doing more with less, the first thing we talked about with the panel was just, is that really the right question? Um, you know, and I think some of that goes to Grace, too. But for my association right now, the real need is to do less with less. And one of our speakers even said that we should never let a good recession go to waste, right? Because it's a great <laughs> opportunity to step back and say, where are we spending our time? Where are we spending our resources? What's really valuable? And to use that as a reason to start to divest programs that aren't really meeting the need or focused on the mission or whatever else it might be. I think it's one area that the for-profit world has done a lot more effectively out of necessity than associations have. So every program has a small number of members or even staff who are loyal advocates in associations. And because there's not a huge focus on the bottom line in the same way that the corporate world has, I think it's easy to make excuses to keep things that really aren't effective. So we don't do a good job in associations of using some of those common methodologies to track results or track utilization, member benefits, or look at other metrics that would help us determine where we should be investing. So I was actually inspired. Some of the panelists um, that I spoke with are doing those things really well. They're finding ways to fail fast. They're building their bench of contractors or other resources so they can skill up when they need to or bring in reinforcements and achieve their results faster rather than just sort of going the, the old route of the, you have a staff member who's doing a job. And so I think as costs continue to rise and member needs continue to change, the most successful associations are going to be looking at things with that lens even more than just during a time of crisis. Right. I feel like the past couple of years have taught us to be more nimble than we have ever been before. As you all know, associations make decisions kind of at a very glacial pace. We're not quick about a lot of things, but I feel like the past uh, a COVID year we were, we were making calls left, right, and center about programs in person or virtual or pricing structure or membership structures, all that. So maybe, Molly, to your point, maybe after all the dust has settled from the past few years, we're learning to be quicker on our decision-making calls and, and quicker to try new things and, you know, like you said, fail forward. And maybe this is time for those sacred cows to take a look at them. Uh, and I think what's helped a lot of groups is that during this time when folks are worried about the bottom line and worried about just everything in general, sometimes innovation spurs from that, right? Because I'm not forced innovation, but innovation that just sort of inspires you as you keep thinking about new ways to present old products or uh, how to do things differently a little bit. So I love that point, especially about getting some time to look at everything or broad spectrum now, as opposed to like, I would say three or four years ago, we wouldn't have that conversation because that that event is so sacred. We love it. We're not going to touch it. And now it's like, everything's on the table. What are, what are we taking away just so we can have capacity and also some financial security a little bit? Yep. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Visit Galveston. Add some splash to your next event and meet on Galveston Island, where it's always island time. Enjoy sweeping views from the Galveston Island Convention Center as gentle Gulf Coast waves wash away the line between work and play. 
Bring local heritage to the main stage with events at our unique venues like Victorian-era mansions and antique rail cars. And as the sun begins to set, head into the vibrant downtown Galveston to enjoy shows, shops, and the freshest seafood in Texas. It's island time. Start planning at visitgalveston.com slash meetings. Dana, you helped discuss an incredibly relevant topic, resilience and grace in a time of tension and anxiety. So that was a big one. <laughs> what were you able to take away? The biggest takeaway that I had was, wow, we are all in this together. We are all going through something and it's so relatable to each other. And we don't talk about that enough. We all just continue our own private battle and we don't share it with each other. And I think that needs to happen more. It would just, I don't know, it just it was all so relatable, pretty remarkable. The amount of people I, you know, Aaron said, this is the topic. People are going to be really into this. And I was just very pleasantly surprised how many people were into it and the audience participation that we had. And my other aha moment was from one of my panelists, the work-life integration. We always talk about this magical work-life balance. And I think with the pandemic, that didn't exist. We had kids at home. I think I mentioned on my panel, like my baby being in my Zooms with a diaper on only, like that all just meshed together and there was no divider. And learning to come out of the pandemic and see this different life as we once knew it is no longer, you know, you no longer have that dividing of like work, home. So just integrating those and not necessarily looking for the balance, but looking for the integration to figure out how it works for not only you, but your employer as well and your family. So that was huge for me. I no longer use work-life balance. That's such a myth. And I now am encouraging work-life integration. Yeah, I love that too. I think that's the word we've all been looking for. I think somebody must have used work-life balance and we're like, oh, that sounds good. And we'll use that in everything we talk about. But when that, uh, one of the panelists said work-life integration, I was like, well, that's it. That's what we're all trying to achieve because there is no balance, right? Because there are sometimes when you just can't walk away from something and you're at home or, you know, dinner is about to be happy. So you need to do that, but you want to get this one email done. So it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of balancing, but at the same time, I, I really do think it's more of an integration approach than balancing. So um, I thought that was really great, especially when, you guys talked about that in length and it just seemed like I was telling folks that in the back of the room, it was kind of like being a church where everyone was nodding their heads and like, mm -hmm, yep, yep, yep. And everything you guys were saying were resonating with the audience. And even some of the hotel staff watching them like fill the drinks they were listening and then the lady was like nodding as she had her like water. <laughs> I was like, we have hit everybody here with this, this sort of powerful punch of this terminology. So that's great, Dana. Thank you. Well, I know that gal sitting next to me who, you know, hadn't been sure if she could come because it's just there's so much going on. And, you know, it, she wasn't sure it was worth making the trip to the summit. And she turned to me after that one and just said, I'm glad I came because at least I know I'm not alone <laughs> after yes. that panel. And I think, you know, that's it's a marathon and not a sprint is what a lot of people got out of it. And I think that we all need to do a better job of seeing it that way. Yes. And I think we had strong females in that room it wasn't like a big wine session like not wine not drinking yeah. wine. <laughs> like it wasn't a complaining whining it wasn't <laughs> complaining it was this is an educational conversation about struggles that we're all dealing with every day and i don't know if it's because i was a panelist and i am super introverted and shy that i left that room 
feeling more empowered that day. But I feel like it was because I knew stepping out of that room, I was not alone. And people that I have always looked up to and kind of seen from afar at TSAE events, but never got to know, I got to know them. I got to shake their hand. I got to know that, hey, we're the same. There's so many things about us that are the same. And I just left feeling so much more empowered and so much more knowledgeable after that. I don't think the mimosas heard it all, though. So <laughs> get the conversation flowing, at least. Right. <laughs> yeah, it made it much easier to, you know, tear down those boundaries. <laughs> One of the things we did at Women's Summit was allow you guys to mail a postcard to a woman that inspired you in your leadership journey. Um, so I'm curious, can you think of a woman that's inspired your leadership path? And would you mind sharing a little of that story with us? Molly, I'm going to pick on you first. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I had a really fantastic female mentor who brought me into association. She was the one she, she I had worked with her at the hospital. She took a job at associations and she gave me a path to follow her. Um, and at first I wasn't really sure, you know, I was sort of, I was going for hospital administration and, you know, and what is this association thing? Why would I want to do that? And I, I sort of agreed to try it, but I was new to the field. I was even sort of new to the workforce overall, but she let me own things right away. She encouraged me and trusted me and just let me go out and do things. And then she gave me a lot of opportunities to try things. And so I'm trying to do the same thing in leading my own team now. But one important lesson that I learned under her leadership was not to let perfect be the enemy of good. And I think, oh. um, you know, there's a lot of data that shows that women tend to wait to take on things, roles or responsibilities or projects until they feel like they're 110% ready. And I think we often put the same weight into our work products. And I, you know, for me, I've learned that sort of 80% is good enough in a lot of cases to keep things moving. And it's that last 20% that really can zap your time and your energy a lot of the time. And so, you know, I've learned to surround myself with people who are smart and thorough and can sort of support me in that without letting me, you know, bail too fantastically. A lot of times we are our own harshest critics. And for me right now, one of the things I'm going through in my career is there's a little more pressure on me now from other people than there is than I'm putting on myself. And it's the first time that I've been in that seat. Um, and so it's been a, a really interesting way to continue to grow by sort of reminding myself that sometimes it's just showing up and sometimes it's just getting things partway there and then, you know, letting other people take it forward or just letting it go out three quarters baked sometimes and instead of really dwelling on things that aren't going to make a huge difference overall. Yeah, that's great. Dana, what about you? For me, professionally in my growing in this career, I think it would be my first boss that I had at Texas Restaurant. She really helped me build a foundation of what it took to do what I do now. I mean, I would used to think, why is she making me do this? Like, this is busy work. Yeah. Why am I doing this? Like, we can move forward without this. <laughs> and when I took this job with Freeman, which was CDS at first, and then I came over to work for Freeman, I realized I get it. When you're working with clients and you're coaching them through how to produce an event or you're fielding the information that they're providing, it made sense. It all made sense. And then I think for my leadership journey, it would have to be one of my colleagues at Freeman who reminded me there's a reason I have a spot at these tables that I sit at. And 
Molly, you mentioned imposter syndrome. That's been a struggle of mine. I'm like, one day they're going to wake up and realize I have no idea what I'm doing here. <laughs> but she's reminded me that I do. And she's encouraged me to step outside of my comfort zone and to really take take it in. Take it in that I've gotten these positions and I've, I'm in this role. And she reminds me, you have to be a self-promoter because I'm not. I would rather be acknowledged not put myself on front street and say, look at me, look at me. Yeah, no, yeah. She has really taught me how to do that gracefully and humbly. And she's also done a little promoting for me as well. That's awesome. I think it's nice that you have someone in your own organization that is currently like pushing you. Because I think you're 100% right. I think that's one of the problems with our entire industry is that we're all so humble. And I appreciate that. That's an attribute that we love. But you know, when we have our call for awards, everyone thinks they're not worthy. Everybody that gets that award's like, oh, I'm not worthy of that award. It's like, yes, yes, you are. Look at all, we have your bio. Look at all the things you did. So it's, I think it's important to celebrate the wins, all of them. Even if, if you think they're small, they might be big to somebody else. Yeah. So I, I love that, Dana. That's great. For sure. I love hearing stories of women that inspired you and they're in your corner. We've talked a lot about ladies today, but I do have a question. More and more events geared towards women are being attended by men. Do you see that as a good or bad thing and why? So I actually came back from the Women's Summit and I told one of the men on my team that I wish he would have been there because he would have gotten a lot out of it too. So the content would definitely resonate with a wider audience. But I think that one of the reasons people attend the Women's Summit is that sort of camaraderie and that the tone might change a little bit depending on the mix, which would be okay. But I think the association world needs more high quality general leadership experiences. So we could have had the same conversation and not called it a women's summit and it would have been really effective. And so I think there's definitely a need for that and a desire for that. And I would love to support men just as much as the women on my team to get this experience and this content and this knowledge and build their own networks with other people who are trying to do the same thing. Right. Yeah. I agree. I think that um, it's very relatable. The topics were not gender specific by any stretch. I feel that if I saw a male in the audience, which we did have a few, I would think, wow, this leader is really taking time out of their day to attend this event so that they can be relatable and supportive of the females in their industry. I do feel that if the ratio of men to women was a little different, where there was more men, I do think the conversations would change. I think we would lose some of that vulnerability. I think the vibe would be a little bit off and it would, you know, pe maybe people wouldn't be as open to sharing. It's almost as if I wish we could do a disclaimer. FYI, this is being recorded and will be shown to all men in the, uh, in the nation. <laughs> because it is, it is so relatable and it's yes. so, it's such good information that the men that work in our industry won't know. I need they don't know. It's now in a capsule with all of us, and it would be good information to share. And we hear their perspective as well. Yeah. With a predominantly female staff sitting in the back of the room in the past three years, I've learned so much that I feel it's made me a better leader. Just being in and out of the room, not giving a chance to sit in the whole time, but the nuggets I've taken away have, have helped me lead my team better, in my opinion. I haven't didn't have the luxury of connecting with as many people as I would have liked, but it's a great event. Um, I think you're right, Dana. The door's always open. But, you know, I, I love the fact that the makeup of the audience helps you feel vulnerable. 
uh, helps you uh, willing to share more than maybe you would in a room full of uh, a more mixed group in the audience. So that's great. So we have one last question. You've done really well. We haven't like <laughs> make you sweat or anything. <laughs> we asked the same question of all of our, our guests. So I want to ask, what brought you to TSAE and what keeps you coming back? So um, Molly, I always pick on you first. I'm going to let Dana go first this time. Oh, Molly, I was ready to feed off your answer. <laughs> um, no, this one's an easy one. So at Freeman, we do a lot of industry participation to cultivate relationships, obviously. So I've done different group participation in our industry. TSAE is very new to me. I have dipped my toes in it here and there, but I'm really now starting to move my focus. And especially after being at TSAE New Ideas and then getting to come to the Leadership Summit, just the value of the content that we're learning from TSAE is so valuable so relatable as we've talked through this whole thing the theme is it's just so relatable you just can't put a price on that i think something else that i find valuable about tsae and industry events and in general is that when you walk into a room alone you only have your experience but when you walk into a network of all these professionals you're walking into a hundred years of experience and support in our industry and you just don't get that value anywhere else so that's why i will keep coming back to tsae Thanks, Dana. And Molly, what about you? Yeah, I don't know how your uh, programming committee picked the topics for this, but they asked all the right questions. I think, I mean, it was really relevant, you know, and I think for me, it's the same value that I hope my members find in my own association. So the connections are valuable, but the biggest thing I get out of these types of events is the freedom and the grace to step back and think and reflect and usually I'll have a problem or two that's really top of mind for me walking into these. And I can either learn from the content or learn from my colleagues or just sit and think about it in a different way than I have been able to running from meeting to meeting every single day. And so, you know, I think the quality of the content that I've seen through TSAE is higher than a lot of the other places that I've been I love being able to build a local network here in Texas because there aren't a ton of big associations in Texas. And so, you know, we're all sort of in it together here as opposed to, you know, where I came from in Chicago or D.C. or other places. And so it's great to to build that network, to see people regularly, to feel reinforced in some of the things I'm doing that are working or that I think will work and I'm not sure yet. And so it's great to always talk to other people about how they've solved that same problem. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. And thank you for joining us today. It was a great conversation. You guys were really inspiring at the event. And here you are again, inspiring us on our podcast. So thank you so much for joining us, Molly and Dana. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for the Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thanks again to Molly and Dana. And of course, thanks again to Visit Galveston for sponsoring today's episode. Join us each month as we have more conversations with members from the association community. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like more information about the Texas Society of Association Executives, be sure to visit us online at tsae.org. And on behalf of TSAE, I'm Stephen Stout with Katie Market. See you next time.